All right, welcome back to another episode of Sturgeon Outdoors. Uh, I'm Nolan, and Taylor might be a little late to this episode, but today we have our first repeat guest, Harry Sickler, and he's here to talk about uh, steelhead fishing. He went up this past Easter weekend, and he had quite a bit of luck, right, Bo? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, steelhead fishing. Uh probably my absolute favorite fish to go after uh i was thinking about this earlier and i'm like cripes dude i'm old because literally i've been steelhead fishing for like 40 plus years uh started doing this in the early 80s uh basically fishing uh you know primarily you know growing up in western new york primarily fish you know chautauqua creek there in westfield a little bit of a Canada way up in Fredonia. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's, a, a, you know, a fantastic fishery. Uh, like I said, I've been doing it forever. I fish streams from, uh, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, Lake Erie, all the way up to Watertown, New York, which is Lake Ontario. I, I fish dozens and dozens of streams throughout that whole entire area. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a fantastic thing. I, I mean, it's something I really enjoy. It's one of my uh, ultimate passions and uh, yeah, it's a great time. Great time. But uh, for, for those of you who might not know what a steel, it actually is, it's, it's a rainbow trout. Uh, first introduced in the great lakes. It's actually, it's not native to the great lakes. Uh, it is actually uh, an ocean uh, variation of fish that uh, grows up, you know, in the ocean and runs up freshwater streams to spawn. They're able to introduce them as early as 1876 in the Alsable River in the uh, uh, state of Michigan, uh, which flows into uh, Lake Huron. And they've been uh, very, very successfully introduced you know, throughout the uh, entire Great Lakes systems. And it's basically a, a lake run rainbow trout uh, classified as a steelhead. It's a fantastic thing to go after. So anyone who's a big fan of our show here knows that this is probably my Achilles tendon as far <laughs> as fishing goes. <laughs> like, I can try and I can try over and over and over again. And I, I cannot, I cannot figure it out. I don't know what it is. I could be doing everything picture perfect and I will still, I will still end up short. I will never catch. I've caught probably two in my entire life and they were, I should, I should have mounted them on the wall. Been like, yes, this is, this is the epitome of my, uh, my steelhead fishing here. But um, so I guess for starters, let's go, you reach a new Creek. Uh, obviously you're talking a lot of, uh, tributary from the great lakes. Yes, sir. And you reach a new Creek. How, uh, how about do you go fishing it? Well, uh, primarily, uh, you know, most of the streams I fish are in Western New York. Uh, and I have a lot of, uh, familiarity with them, but, uh, say for instance, you know, while I'm going to check out a creek, say Chautauqua Creek out of a, you know, Westfield, Barcelona area, you know, I'm going to go there and 
cross the first bridge, see what the water color looks like, which is generally on the upper end of the stream, which will be the clearest water uh, on a stream and just get a, a good visual on what the water looks like. Uh, primarily, I'm looking for a parking area that doesn't have a lot of pressure as in other people parking there already. And that's generally where I like to start. Uh, saying that in general, even if there's other vehicles parked there, I'm, I can generally fish behind people and still pick up, you know, numerous, numerous fish just because of the style of the way, you know, I, I fish, you know, I, you know, that I fish for them. Uh, so late last week, uh, I was, uh, fortunate enough to go up and fish midweek. Uh, which is always less fishing pressure than, of course, the weekends are, the, you know, weekend warriors that get out there. And, you know, I uh, parked at a, a lone parking area. I walked down to the stream. The, the water color was a little off, which means it's a little dirty, a little cloudy. You can't really see the fish really well, but it was very, still very fishable because, you, you know, the fish could see enough clarity in the water. So I fished the first couple of holes and really didn't, you know, that really didn't do, do didn't see much, didn't have any activity, uh, fished another stretch, immediately hooked up one and four or five casts later, hooked up another one, may or may not have been the same fish and landed about a seven pounder, uh, very nice spawned out male, uh, fin clipped, it was a hatchery fish and you know, that's how the day started. But uh, afterwards, you know, the, uh, you know, they got pretty well is a pretty active day overall. Now, so you're talking about seeing the fish. Are you, are you sight fishing these? Well, where you can physically see the fish or you like in the holes and stuff, are you kind of, you know, they're there, they're somewhere just kind of trying to cast out. I know uh, well, bass fishing, you're just kind of casting out, hoping for the best. So it's kind well, of a little different than that. But it, it's a little different as in, you know, the steelheads are, are, you know, like I said earlier, they're a lake run rainbow trout who, are, who is running up the streams uh, to spawn. That's when their primary function is to run up the breed. And you know, they do that in the, in the tail end of the holes with a like little loose gravel and uh, moderate. They need some current, but overall not super fast current. And that's where they make a uh, spawn bed. You know, the males dig out a hole, attracts the female, they lay their eggs. And, uh, you know, that's the primary function of why they're running up the streams. You know, a spawn bed for, per se is not necessarily only two fish because sometimes there's four, five, six, seven fish on one spawn bed. Or oftentimes, you know, if you, if you find a spawn bed, there'll be two or three or four fish on a spawn bed, maybe only a couple, but then be like, like usually smaller, like males behind them that are there primarily to like eat the eggs that the female deposited on the spawn bed in their spawning process. So, you know, when you look at a stream, you know, you're always, 
looking for potential spawning fish, but you know, the, the way the, uh, to go back a little bit, the way the states and even the Canadian provinces done throughout the years is there's different strains, which is sort of like a subspecies of, of steelhead where they don't all spawn at the same time. So literally as early as September in a lot of these streams, steelhead will start running and they'll run all the way through May. So they'll be spawning fish throughout the fall, throughout the winter water temperature variant and up until the spring where you have these fish spawning, you know, throughout a several month period of time. So mm -hmm. if you're going out fishing, you know, there should always be some fish on or near a spawning bed, but that doesn't mean that's the only spot to look for a fish. Uh, okay. You know, so so what I'm doing when I go to the stream and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing is like, I'll, I'll hit a hole. A hole is a deeper section of the water. Generally it's uh, might be an undercut bank. It might be a, a corner hole where the, where the water's, uh, you know, a deeper aspect of things. And that'll be a good like holding area for a fish that's running, like say up the stream, you know, looking for its spawning ground. So throughout the whole entire stream, you, you can't specifically look in the tail area for spawning beds or in the middle part of the hole for holding fish, you know, because the steelheads can be literally anywhere in the stream at any given time because there's so many different strains of fish that have been stocked throughout the years that the fish can be anywhere in the stream but what I try to do, and I'm fairly good at it, is concentrating on the most highly productive areas in the stream, you know, where I think the fish might be holding. Okay. So um, I guess the next question is, what, what are you using to catch the fish? Well, you know, primarily what I, what I use is uh, egg sacks. Uh, which okay. is literally tied salmon or even steelhead eggs that are cured and tied in the, like a mesh netting. And which really resembles what a lot of the fish are actually eating on, which is the, the spawning eggs from a, a fish that is actually in the stream. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of people, uh, another good bait is, you know, like the fly fishermen, they go for like streamers, which is like imitating a little minnow, or they go for like an egg pattern, trying to imitate uh, egg, you know, spawn egg per, per se, or they go for like uh, even like aquatic insects, helgramites or whatever, or trying to match a hatch, which might be actually uh, hatching at any particular time. So there's a lot of items that could really work well, depending on the fishery, in what they're biting on at any particular time. Uh, spinners, like little trout spinners, like a size zero, one, two, uh, up to like an eighth ounce spinner, uh, works out really good for like the more aggressive fish, especially later on in the year. Uh, so there, there's a lot of different variables that you uh, could use, you know, even salted minnows work as well, uh, trying to, you know, to go after more aggressive feeding fish. 
But primarily what I use is egg sacs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ideally, uh, when things go well, I like to tie my own. And ideally, hey, I, I like to catch, you know, a couple uh, uh, spawning females every year that are just starting to be on the spawn bed. They have very loose eggs that are like known as like shotgun eggs. These are loose. And I, I, I like to keep a couple of them a year and I'll take all them eggs and put them in a, like a, a solution that you could buy over the counter, uh, borax type or whatever, and cure the eggs and time out in time my own bait uh there's a lot of uh, secondary manufacturers you can buy them at any bait store uh you know mm-hmm. western stock real outdoors fantastic option hogan's out there in bemis another or uh, stowe actually another great option where you can actually uh, get baits uh you know buy your egg sacks at but it, overall i primarily like to tie my own when it's possible uh okay. you know this spring uh a uh, little late in the in the spawning system. A lot of the fish I caught really beat up or already spawned out. But I did catch one really super fresh, about a 26-inch female. Uh, had, you know, maybe maybe a pint of eggs in it, which I uh, cured and planned on tying up, you know, them for, uh, you know, next spring. Okay. So, hang on. I got a question about the egg sacks because when, yeah. I, when I go fishing with them, I, I use them. That's what I'll primarily use. And you can get them in pretty much any color. Uh, have you found that like you, you want a hundred percent this one, or you want a hundred percent the other color, or is it just kind of a crap shoot until you, you figure out what's what they're actually biting on? Well, th- that is a, a fantastic question, Nolan, because I often get asked almost every spring because I, I really enjoy taking people fishing with me. And because I'd rather see them catch a fish than me. I mean, literally, I've caught thousands throughout my life, and I'd, I'd really much rather have other people catch them. But, you know, the question I always ask, hey, I'm stopping by Chocolate Reel. I'm stopping by Hogan's Hut. I'm stopping by my local bait shop. What color egg sack should I, should I buy? I'm like, every color. Like, what? I'm like, no, every color. I mean, if they have five different colors of egg sacks on the shelf, you buy five different colors because, you know, Tuesday they might want chartreuse, Wednesday they want orange, Thursday they want red. And it's, you got to have a variety of different colors because depending on a lot of it depends on water uh, temperature and water color. So what I found is, colder the water the fish like chartreuse don't know why that's the general trend that works better if the water is super super ultra clear blue's your best bet it's more natural color it doesn't stand out like say a pink does which pink might be really good if the water's dirty uh orange is the staple that's the a number one color to go by but you know, a thing I try to tell people I fish with is if you are using an orange egg sack and you throw out 25 times in a row and you don't get a bite and you break your line or the egg sack gets beat up or you lose your egg sack on a snack or XYZ, 
by all means, if you just threw 25 casts with an orange egg sack and never caught a bite, I, I have fished with extremely experienced fishermen before throwing by fish we can physically see six, seven fish on, a, on the tail end of a hole. And he throws out 25 casts before I do. And because he got the hole first, never had a bite. And I seen he's throwing like an orange egg sack. So I'm like, huh, I'm going to throw a chartreuse out there because that's not what he's throwing. Literally the first cast, I had a fish literally swim 10 feet out of the way to smack the egg sack. <laughs> and because it was a different color and they did not, that group of fish did not want orange. So my main one of the main things, if you take anything out of this podcast away, is you, multiple colors. If you're using egg sacks, or even if it's a streamer or an egg imitation for fly fishermen, you have to mix it up. Multiple different colors, because sometimes, you know, if you're looking at fish on a spawn bed, hey, 20 casts on a red egg sack, no bites. Well, it's time to change because if they're not biting first 20, they ain't going to take 25. You, you change the color, orange, yeah. blue, chartreuse, white. And, uh, it, it, that is a huge, huge thing, you know, that really, really pays a huge dividend and what you're trying to do out here with the fish. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, the whole fact of every fish is different. You got to kind of switch it up. And you never know exactly. There's no like for sure go to 100%. This is the winner. It's no. whatever they're really feeling that day. And it could change just based on the just based on the fish. Yeah. I mean, literally, you start the morning, it's 30 degrees and cloudy. Well, mm. they might want a chartreuse, but in the afternoon when it's 65 degrees and sun shining, that water temperature actually will warm up two or three degrees. And it might be red. I mean, that might be the afternoon color. It might be chartreuse in the morning. It might be red in the afternoon for your color of your exact netting. And that could play huge dividends. But the thing is, you have to be versatile to switch things up. Okay. Uh, you know, now with the, with the steelhead fishing in general, a lot of people say, hey, what's your, what are, you know, what's your setup? What do you like to use rod-wise? I'm like, primarily... Uh, I like a nine foot rod, uh, I use spinning gear. Uh, I use the longer rod because I'm extremely accurate with casting. Uh, and it's like a medium light action. It's a, so, sort of like designed for river fishing or, or slash steelhead fishing. So it's, it, it's pretty specific to the type of rod I use for what I'm going for. Uh, primarily use 10 pound fluorocarbon fluorocarbon is a little bit clearer than like say a monofilament uh and it really uh does pretty well now with super clear water you know i might go down a six pound test uh i usually keep a six pound liter in my uh uh vest there in in case the water you know in case the fish get a little line shy i can go down to like a, a thinner diameter right, thinner. Mm -hmm. uh if the water is you know pretty pretty dark pretty muddy from a lot of the spring runoff you can probably go up to even 12 or 14 pound test line uh primarily i stick with 10 as my standby 
with a with a six pound spool to you know pour, put a leader on if need be. Uh, size four octopus hook. Uh, ideally, I use like uh, lead sinkers, uh, a lot smaller profile than steel. And uh, that my general setup is you know a size you know four octopus style uh, hook. Mm -hmm. uh, weights about 12 to 18 inches above the uh, hook. The weights there, and you know, pr primarily, you know, where I do really well on uh, on fishing for these is I know how to read water. Mm -hmm. That's that's something we we need to get into on you know what we need to do to how to read water to find out where these fish are actually sitting at in the creek. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about it then. Let's dive right in reading water. How about do you go about it? Well, you know, primarily, uh, when I, when I look at any segment of a stream and a lot has to do with, you know, 40 plus years of experience, but you got to really pay attention to what the water is. I mean, yes, it's a stream, it might be 20 foot wide. It might be five foot wide. I mean, I've caught them in irrigation ditches before, and it might be a, a huge tributary like the Cataraugus or the Sam River off Lake Ontario, where you have a, a tremendous amount of moving water. But in that water, uh, you got to look for like what I call seams or the edges, just like whitetail deer hunting. You want to see the edges between a field and the clear cut. Uh, what we're looking for in a stream for steelhead is like the edges of current. So there might be a boulder in the middle of the stream that has white water over the top of it. And there's like two lines on each side of the rock. And it's a little white water on one side, a little white water on the other side, but it's a little smooth in the middle. That's what you call a seam. Uh, these fish like to sit in them seams. So you know, that would be a very good spot to start, you know, looking for your cast uh, where you want to like target a target area. Uh, you'll see these in like what you call holes, you know, which would be deeper water throughout the stream. A lot of times these are on corners or, or cuts in the bank, uh, you know, by bridges, etc. You'll have deeper water and a lot of this deeper water, you know, you'll look at a stream in hey polarized glasses a number one this is where i should have started with polarized glasses are an absolute must if you're fishing a stream river steelhead trout whatever if you, you absolute a number one thing to do is polarized glasses i should have started with this this is the number one topic i should have started with these the polarized glasses cuts down the glare on the water so you have a better idea what's underneath the water so with steelhead per, per se or river fishing in general uh you know the water might look like it's all two feet deep walking down the side of the stream but there might be a little seam in that area where you can't quite see the bottom as good as other areas and it might be two and a half might be three feet deep and you can't quite see the bottom as good as you could the other areas. Well, that's deeper water. That's what you call a seam. That's where the fish will be laying at. So it's a primarily area you want to be casting your line. 
consistently. Right. And, you know, what I like to do primarily, uh, you know, while I'm fishing a stream, I, I have a technique, you know, I've sort of made up on my own. I'm sure other people do it, but I like to call it, I call it trolling. And what exactly do you mean by trolling? Like trolling well, on a boat? <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you know, these streams I'm talking on, there might be only 20, 30, 40 feet wide, is trolling for what I do as a technique is it, it works going upstream or downstream, a little bit better downstream is have your line in the water 100% of the time. Uh, don't get lazy. Don't be, you know, hey, there's a huge hole here where I think the fish are at. And there's a big hole down below a couple hundred yards away that I think the fish will be at. And there's nothing in between. So I'm just going to walk the bank. That's the worst thing you can ever do. What you want to do is walk the edge or even partly down the middle of the stream bank, usually on the edge. And what you want to do is cast 100% of the time. Have your line in the water 100% of the time. So there's a little boulder, it's a little white water. Throw your cast down there. Are you going to catch a fish? Yeah, probably not. Maybe. But uh, while doing this, you always have your, have your line in the water. So what will happen is, you'll pick up a couple of fish that your buddies are not because they're walking down the bank because they want to get down to the next hole because I think the next hole is where all the fish are at. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've seen it dozens of times with me. It's like guys run down the bank and I'm like theoretically casting behind this ledge, behind this rock, behind another phenomenal area is a branch, a twig, a tree that is over top part of the, the, the river and it's overhanging. Well, fish love to hang under them areas. So you cast under a couple of them and you keep on walking down the stream. But what you're doing is your line's always in the water. And, you know, inadvertently, you might hit your hit a fish with your line. You're not trying to. You don't even see the fish, but that fish moves two feet, six inches eight inches and you're like oh shit there's a fish there well yeah. now you, there's a fish there now you sit there and cast two three th 32 times because you know where the fish is at and eventually you could potentially get him to bite but the thing is the main thing what you want to do walking up and down the stream is always have your line in the water even if you're walking upstream, just walk up slow, walk downstream slow, just constantly flip your line out. You don't have, you're not, you don't have to make these giant 40 foot casts with a nine foot rod. <clears throat> primarily, I never even open up the bale because I have enough line that I'm able to like spool out and I'm making these 20 foot pitches just up and down, not even casting, not even ever using my reel at all just flipping behind this rock, behind this log, behind this, oh, this water that I can't quite see the bottom in a stretch of stream. So you're constantly casting and holy shit, bam, you catch one. Right. I mean, literally, uh, I, I, I last fished Monday morning. Uh, I had a few hours to fish before we uh, ended up coming back to Southern Ohio. And I walked upstream 
and literally I, I see in a couple of fish they're in a, a, a area that you know if you know how to read water you know where to look picture perfect seeing the fish bam 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 lost the female it bit four or five cast nice 25 inch super fresh fish but it got off damn that sucked whatever fish there for a while longer no luck walked upstream as far as you're going to walk up you know daylight's burning other priorities got to get back to the house so i walked back downstream and and that's this is a whole other topic i'll get involved in here in another second but i walked back to the same area i'm like huh there's another fish is it the same one i lost earlier i don't know i seen two originally bam 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 hooked that one briefly lost it i'm like man i can't hook these fish at all for whatever <laughs> reason you know just like yeah just can't can't get the set I, I, I can't get it. So I, I lost two, and both these fish are, say, they 22, 24 inches long, maybe 26, the one was. But I, I keep casting. I'm like, I can't quite see the bottom. I really can't quite tell what else is here. And lo and behold, bam, caught about a 16-inch rainbow, and it's currently in the brine going to the smoker tomorrow. So, you know. Nice. You can't beat that. Yeah, because it's a fish I never seen, but just the the area, uh, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't quite see bottom. It was very fishy looking area. I, I like I hooked two there originally earlier. Not that I could see any fish at the time, but that fish I couldn't see. And you know, that's uh, going to be a, a nice smoked uh, fish dip later on this weekend. But what I was uh, getting to a little uh, bit ago was, say, you park at a bridge and you walk up or downstream, it's irrelevant, and say you walk up three, four, five, six hundred yards because you have a half day to fish, then you're walking back to your truck. So what I do, and, I'm, and my mind is really good and sharp at this angle is, if I see a fish, I hook a fish, I catch a fish, I lose a fish. I see one, it doesn't bite, doesn't matter. So that whole entire stretch, six, seven, eight hundred yards, I might have three, four, five, ten different places where I hooked, seen, or caught a fish throughout yeah. the section. So while I'm upstream, I'm like, well, I got to get back to X, Y, Z. But I always want to leave myself enough time to walk back to my truck where every single spot that I've seen a fish walking upstream, I'm at least throwing two, three, five, six, seven casts. Right. Because so that way you at least get that chance at them. You, you, you know where they're at. I mean, yeah. you're trolling this. I, I, I'm still doing my trolling technique, which is. Always have your line in the water 100% of the time, up or downstream. Always have your line in the water. I'm still using that technique, but that technique is one cast behind this boulder, white water, one cast in this seam, one cast here. Well, I seen a fish in this general area. Now it's 5, 10, 12, 15 casts before you continue walking down to the next area. Right. So you always have keep in your mind where fish were 100% of the time walking up or down 
And when you walk back to your vehicle at the end of the day, you have enough time to like, you need to make sure you throw a few casts in because you can only pick up, you know, you might, you might've seen three, four, five fish on the way up. You only hooked one way down. You might hook three or vice yeah. versa. You know, it's, you, you keep an eye out for what's going on. Yeah. I, I think we had uh, go back to reading the water more. Next, it, it, it's such a, a huge topic mm-hmm. that, as, as I briefly said earlier, that most of the fisheries uh, in the Great Lakes are uh, stocked. Mm-hmm. You know, you know whether it's Canada, Lake Erie has Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York, Canada, all stocking one fishery. So they have different strains of fish, which means they're spawning at different uh, time periods. So when you're walking up and down the stream, you know, the tailwater areas, like I uh, touched on earlier, are your main spawning grounds. Loose gravel, moderate current. They need some current, generally in the sunshine, actually. Uh, has a little bit of sunlight on it, helps warm the water up a little bit. But uh, that's a good area to look for in, in the stream. Uh, the middle part of the holes are uh, holes as in deeper water throughout the stream. Generally, you can tell by walking up and down the stream where the, like the quote-unquote holes are at. Uh, middle parts of the holes, upper parts of the holes, good areas to try. Upper parts of the hole... You know, if the fish are running upstream, uh, literally earlier this week, I was fishing by a waterfall, uh, and literally the fish are trying to jump the waterfall. This is late April when I was oh, fishing, really? and the fish are still trying to, to run up the waterfall. And on the same token, there's fish floating down that are half dead, <laughs> you know, just because they've been beat up due to the rigorous spawn, and they're going down. But there's other fish still coming up. So the one giant hole I'm talking about, well, the top part of that hole where that waterfall is at, super white water. Water is really rolling very fast because it's a waterfall. But then fish are literally laying in right in that waterfall. Super fast white water is fastest water in the whole entire part of that creek. And that's where the fish are at. Well, some of them are. Because other parts of that hole, there's spawned out fish that have already went through the spawning system and they're laying the hole ready to get the higher water from the rain runoff to run down the stream to get back to the lake. And then there's farther down that hole is the spawning area. So there's three segments of that hole where there's fish are at because some are spawning, some have already spawned, and some are still running upstream to spawn you know, trying to find right. out their spawning grounds. So you really need to really pay attention. And what I see with a lot of people I fish with and what I do differently than a lot of my friends, you, for instance, for, or whatever, is I really pay attention to what's going on with every single cast on the water 
So I, I'll take that hole per se where the fish are trying to jump the waterfalls. I'm fishing that white water. Then I fish the main part of the hole. Then I'm fishing the tail end of the hole and I'm looking for that you know, one's on a spawn bed. So I'm going down below that hole Then there, there's some white water, some rapids. So I'm fishing that white water, seeing if there's anything trying to move up or if it got spooked off a spawn bed and went down to like high per se. So you look in that area as well, then it's like you're looking at the whole entire segment, part of the whole, upper part of the whole waterfall, trying to jump up big part of the hole, deep water, tail segment. Then you look, you, you keep on going down the stream and you, you pay attention to everything because the more you pay attention to what the water is telling you or where the fish are telling you, say, if you're, if you're fishing early in the year, late in the year, it don't matter, but you see a lot of fish are per se, and I've come across this technique in the past, where there is a branch, a tree stuff, or a tree fall over in the water, you know, or it went down in heavy rain off, and there's there's branches, there's wood, there's debris over top of the water, and the water's lower, water's clear, and you cast underneath that log or, or under that branch. Are you going to break your line? Shit, yes, you are going to break your line, and. If you don't plan on breaking your line while you're steelhead fishing a couple dozen times a day, you're not doing it right. Don't right. get used to You want to get into all those areas. You know, because yeah. what you're trying to do, say you cast under that log two or three or four times and bam, like the first couple of fish I caught last week were underneath the branch. Two casts in a row, bam, bam. Two, done, done. You know what I mean? Caught the one, took a picture, showed it to you. Walk back up, sending you a picture, says back to back. Literally, I caught the fish, released it, walked back up, retied my line, cast underneath that same tree, bam, caught the second one. Back to back. Well, you know what that was? It was a, it was a branch, and like a six-inch tree branch, whatever you want to call it, hanging over top of the river. Well, what that tells most people is they'll never fish it because they're afraid of breaking the line. So nobody cast by it. Because literally two guys walked below me, you know, they walked past me when I was fishing the one hole earlier in the day. So two guys literally walked past me and fished that area. But I guarantee neither one of them threw underneath that, underneath that uh, log. I guarantee yeah. they did. Those two cast two fish. They right, never exactly afraid to break the line. Uh, so what you need to do is try every segment of the stream because if say for instance they're underneath that log that branch and the one part of the stream well if you come across a very similar area two three six eight hundred yards down the river chances are pretty good there might be fish under that as well so you want to pay extra close attention to it right uh uh Another token I wanted to get at is line maintenance. Uh, or I said people are afraid to break off the line, casting underneath the log, a log branch tree, et cetera, is mm -hmm. I retie constantly all day, all day long. Uh, 
uh, it, I'll probably retie my line while casting for steel. It's 50 times a day. People are like, what? I'm like, yes, because, you know, you cast and you get little bumps on your line and you get a, a snag and you pull your line out and your sinker slides down to your hook. And you got to constantly, every five, six, seven cast, take your fingers from the hook up to your sinker and rub the line. If it's frayed, retie it. You know, if you if you caught a fish and it, it was an epic battle where the fish jumped four or five times out of the water, had a couple of them this week. You know, after you land that fish, retie. Yeah, was you're not good for that fish? Yeah, because you landed it. However, retie. Might not be good for the another one, yeah. You know, if there's frayed line six inches, eight inches, 12 inches, above the sinker even, constantly, constantly retire your line because what you don't want to do, and I even did it once this week, and I have a gazillion years of experience, is I had three, or, I had three fish on a spawn bed, and I threw out there, and a big female bit my line, and I yanked, and I had it on for half a second, and it popped off. But not enough to really, I really didn't think I really spooked the fish, even though I briefly had it hooked. So inexperienced me, who's extremely experienced, threw right back out there. And when it bit the second time, I set the hook like you can't believe it sent my line instantly. Oh, my ass. Because I knew better. I knew better because I should have checked my line, should have cut. Should have checked the knock, retied, and I would have landed that. You know, probably it was one of the eight or nine pounders, one of the bigger fish I've uh, seen over the weekend. Right. But, uh, and after it snapped on the hook set, yeah, that fish was gone. It never bit again. That was the end of that guy. But uh, oh, to miss out on the biggest fish of the of the yeah, day, you know, <laughs> it was. You know, I say it's a rookie mistake, but it's it just something. It's just like. I was so focused on trying to catch it because I only had like, I had like 10 minutes left to fish and I didn't have, you know, I was at the end of my day. I had yeah. to make oh, it, yeah. had commitments at the house. I had, you know, so I didn't check my line. I, you know, <laughs> came back it, to bite you. It oh came, man. It bit, it bit good. When I yanked, it was the end of that. So, but, uh, biggest fish of the day and you ended up, it, Good one. What a tough way to go. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Keep up to date with us during the week and also between episodes by following our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok page. We'll put a link in the description.